Hello, and welcome to Full Carts, the podcast about shopping experiences. I'm Andy. I'm Devin. And today we're going to be talking about the antique slash vintage, more vintage than antique shopping experience based on a visit to Yesterday's News, an antique store in Brooklyn, New York. Devin, I get the sense that you don't, but do you break for yard sales or for vintage stores? Is that a bumper sticker you have in your spirit? Uh, yeah, not so much these days, but maybe a little bit. Um, definitely the yard sale was a big part of growing up, but as an adult, I don't chase antique sales. Okay. I, I feel like I've gotten more into it. Like this is not something, there were flea markets and things like that once in a while growing up, but not a big part of my identity once in a while thing, but I feel like more and more. And I guess this makes sense as you get older and there's more to return to that you would become more interested in old things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And relics of your childhood. Yeah. The you you find the those familiar things. Yeah. Kids would probably right. not be that excited about a vintage store because they're more interested in making things, playing with things that will later become evocative <laughs> vintage antiques. Exactly. They're making the memories now. We're looking for the for the old memories. Definitely. Uh, as as things from my youth are now trickling into <laughs> that territory, definitely find more appeal in that. And I think part of the fun is buying it back. I don't resent it having my childhood sold back to me. Oh yeah. I can yeah. appreciate that transaction. <laughs> I was on eBay and found a, a senior picture, like from my senior class, senior picture. And I haven't bought it, but I feel like this is one of those things that if it were, if I found it at my house, I would have gotten rid of it. But finding it on the open market makes it so much more intriguing. Wait a second. Like I want to buy it. It's like your own senior Yes, yes, picture? like I am in it, yes. Oh, you're in it, okay. Because I always type in my home. just a view? That felt almost no, like No, no, well, like, it was like the whole, like one of these panoramas where they take the whole yeah, class yeah, and everyone's yeah. sitting in the gym and it's a special camera. And there were actually these kids that did this prank in the back row. So the camera panned slowly across the thing. You have to stand still. And they ducked down and then popped up so at the end. Twice. So they're in there twice. Nice, yeah. nice. I like that. Uh yeah, that's a good trick. That's interesting. I don't know if I have anything in that category where if I found it in my house, I'd have thrown it away. But if I find it on eBay, I got to get that. Do you? And my other question is, do you have any, if you do end up in one of these places, which we will get to more, this is just part one of the vintage antique experience. Oh, there will be more. Are there sections or categories or specific objects that you're kind of at least at some level on the lookout for like, Oh, I want to get an old sewing machine or Viewmaster reels for my Viewmaster or something like that. I, not any grails like that. I think that I, you're so much better at this, even just in going over some of your finds, like <laughs> you're, you have a limitless capacity for finding. Not, there's just a few. Okay. Well, well thank no, you. No, no, no. Thank you. you I you think. love all these things that you discover. And I, I would not, I don't have the, yeah, I don't even think I have the openness that I would notice uh, how cool some of these things are, which are, are all very cool. But um, I don't know. I think I, that I'm not as much of into the Americana stuff or the kitsch stuff, but um, I do like uh, like old postcards, old photographs, mm. more just like candid, yes. candid says, culture. Yeah. Says the man with a newly purchased nerds t-shirt. <laughs> you have some appreciation or you're like, that's not kitsch. This is just like a serious, straightforward appreciation of Nerds candy. It's contemporary kitsch. It is. Okay. <laughs> well, in 15 years, I will buy your old t-shirt at yeah. yesterday's news. Yeah. No, I mean more like the 
the the kitsch stuff that you weren't a part of. Like, there's a type of person who's into kitsch stuff from the seventies, even though they're right. Maybe it's if you like kind of they were born a little born at the wrong time or something. Like, yeah, that evokes yeah I feel some like values a, and spirit that you want to be a part of. Yeah, I feel like I'm a little bit of a poser shopping for like sixties and seventies. Okay, right, right. You feel like you have to have earned it by living through at least part of it. Yeah, like you have no cultural connection to it if it's just completely adopted. You know, for a certain type of person that works, but not me. Right. No, I hear you. So a couple of the things that I am questing for is nice yardsticks. A few years ago, I decided I need to have a good yardstick, a thick yardstick, which is hard to find now for like reaching things or getting things out from under the couch or measuring things. And so you can find these, and I, I especially like them when they have the five-digit, I guess I'm a sucker for the five-digit phone number. But And this one from the um, Muskogee, Oklahoma, the state football champs from 1948 and 49 commemorated their state championship with a yardstick that lists <laughs> the names of the entire football team. And it's just kind of cool to read these names, Eugene Ball, Wiley Sanders, Lewis Skuggs, Bill Palmer. I'm going to read all these. George Elliott. Not the novelist, you don't think, do you? She had a uh, second life as a high school football. Could be. Edge rusher. I do like that this this was the object that you would put this stuff on. It's like, well, it's just perfect because you're you're always going to need these around your house. You're never going to not have a bunch of yardsticks around in your house. So you need to measure stuff. Yeah. And I just have like three or four of them. So it's not a big collection. I like that it's like not the idea is that it's like not clutter, though, you know? No. Yeah. There's a tool. All right. So your yardstick yeah, so for you measuring yardsticks. a good antique store is One more. And I feel like yardsticks. a lot of times you'll just find something by chance at an antique store or vintage place, like a cool yardstick. And then I have this idea, does having lead to wanting? I was saying having leads to wanting. Like you'll get one thing and it's a great thing and you're happy with it, but also, hmm, you know, it'd be even better having more things like this thing. If one... It makes me this fulfilled. Two will make me doubly fulfilled. And yeah. Three, two, and then, you know, and so on until you reach some kind of holy state. <laughs> oh, that's where it's leading. I, I, I <laughs> um, another one is there are these, I'll just talk a little bit. Like one time I found, I like small coffee mugs, like eight ounces, which are harder to find now because I like to fill coffee in the morning a few times. I think it's fun. Makes it more, you get to repeat the ritual. Yeah. Instead of like a big 18 ounce mug. And there are these anchor hocking, the special D-shaped handle mug. And I brought one out for you. And I just sort of found it by chance. And I'm like, oh, my fingers feel so nice in this. It feels like it's from a hospital cafeteria in the 50s kind of mug. And I really like it. So every time I go to a vintage store, I'll check the glassware and see if they have any of these anchor hocking. And if you go online, I just have a couple of them and they're white this kind of cloudy white glass and there are special green ones that are referred to as jadeite and they're quote prized by collectors. So the price like on eBay or something, you'll pay at least $30 for one of these mugs, which is like, mm, you know, the chances of it dropping are pretty decent. And I'm not sure I want to make that kind of commitment, but I would love to just find one of these jadeite mugs solo. And it is cool. Like you always wonder this phrase, like it's part of the fun of becoming a collector that you're then part of this community. Oh, well, my fellow collectors and I prize this color or prize this patina. You're right. You know, there's a group identity that comes with it. Yeah, no, it's, it definitely has, it's like that balance between 
is the prizeness its rarity or is it it's the thing that's popular and therefore it's rare it's always a balance between those. It is. And sometimes you're like, oh, I just really think this thing is cool. And because you guys prize it, you've driven up the price. <laughs> but yeah. can you prize something else? And one other thing is I like to collect ashtrays. Well, I had two, a collection of two. And now I have a collection of one because one of them broke. And I was also looking at merch. Like you can make ashtrays, thinking about full carts ashtrays. Oh, you can make cool. them. Yeah, yeah. Like and you yeah. would not make them. Like you send the image to a right. company and they'll make them. Right. I'm just wondering, I feel like would each of our listeners probably want five of them, yes? Well, maybe they'd start with one and, you know, having leads to wanting, and they'd have a collection of two. Okay, but you'd probably just want, yes, maybe two, one to use. Not necessarily, not for smoking, for keeping coins in or jewelry or sure. just little trinkets. But you'd probably want different, like, oh, I just collect podcast-themed ashtrays. Yeah. would be cool. But this one's just like from a bank and... Philadelphia, and it just, I don't know, this is just like a perfect kind of vintage thing. Oh, it's a little piece of old America. Yeah, we'll get that trend started. I mean, I feel like with merch, it's one of those things where you want to have the stuff that other people have. Same kind of thing. You're participating in a, you know, like with the yardsticks. Right, and I think with, um, well, I was saying one other thing. I won't talk, but I also like, they have a pretty decent collection of matchbooks here, and I feel like that. Like, matchbooks are merch, right? Yeah. Like, oh, I got a matchbook from the Skylon uh, in Niagara Falls, Canada, or the Carefree Hotel in Arizona. And it's just, yeah, these little, yes, they're early like, early merch. They're like classic merch. I feel like if you're going to have a ashtray collection, it makes sense that you'd also get into matchbooks. And one interesting thing is at yesterday's news, they had a matchbook section where they were like a buck each or two for two for a buck or something. Several sections, they were all differently priced. And differently I think it was accidental. Priced. I don't think they like were like, these are the dollar matchbooks. These are the 25 cent matchbooks. These are the 50 That's cent what matchbooks. I was wondering. I liked the idea that they had a sorting process where they're like, eh, these matchbooks are not prized by collectors. These are a dime a dozen. Right. Well, and there was one in the case where they have more jewelry e things and like Kennedy political memorabilia. They did have a Beatles that I'm assuming was an original matchbook that was behind glass that is in a different category. Yeah. Um, and you had some thoughts on the news yesterday's. Oh, on the name. You you had some thoughts on the name yesterday's news. Oh, yeah. So let's get into this. Which is, yeah, I never even really thought bit. about it. I'm like, oh, that's what it is. But then you broke it down <laughs> for me. Yeah. They, I, so the store we visited is, is called Yesterday's News. I think is one of the great, I think it's one of the great vintage store names, but also just one of the great store names, period. I, I like the... I like how self-deprecating yes, the idea is for a vintage store to say yes, this stuff is yesterday's news. But I also... what Because right, that's always said in a dismissive It's derogatory. Way. Yes, it's derogatory. It's something that has no value. <laughs> so it's like, a, I guess, you know, if you have a junk store, you call it junk, but it definitely has that one man's trash is another man's treasure idea behind it too. And I like that they sort of are leaning into that. But I also think that this store in particular wears that name very well because it's it has a little bit of a sort of naivete. Like, they don't even realize that it's a derogatory term. Right, right. Like, this is yesterday's news. It's that old stuff. We, we love it. <laughs> and I do think, you started mentioning that kind of figuring out what is valuable, that I remember earlier thinking, oh, I moved to New York, and even the end, Teak stores are more advanced than the ones I've known. Like they're sort of like, oh, wait, this is vintage. Like it's sort of 
it is new vintage, right? Oh, we've decided that this is now old and valuable. Oh, wait, I thought this was just junk, but no, this is... And then you sort of like, oh, yeah, this is something that's worth seeking out and spending for. Yeah. I should have some examples here. <laughs> no, I mean, it is that fine line of like, what if you have, you know, music that was... It's not like obscure stuff. It's all stuff that was popular culture for, say, yes. like the 1970s records. What stuff makes it into the vintage store and what stuff doesn't? Well, maybe not. One thing that's interesting is that sort of 90, and it makes sense. Obviously, it's about how old the audience is for it. Like all the 90s t-shirts, like Spuds McKenzie and things like that, which I was like, oh, this is just ephemera. But I'm seeing this on walls at more and more kind of t-shirts. Places. I'm like, oh, so this is vintage now. Yeah, it is interesting. I saw the Super Bowl was just this weekend, and I saw somebody posting online, and they said, you, you hear all these people talking about how, uh, oh, the, the Super Bowl ads are bad now. They, there used to be a golden age of Super Bowl ads. They used to be good, but they were never good. They're, what they're referring to is four guys saying, what's up, for four seconds, or for 40 seconds. And, uh, and then someone replied, and they're like, if, if you remember... <laughs> the, uh, if you remember an ad that was like from 20 years ago, like, guess what? <laughs> like that was a, a great successful ad. That's why you know it. And I feel like that is sort of what we're tapping into with this stuff. Like you don't know at the time, the stuff that maybe you'll remember all, always. Uh, and some right, of it ends right. up being the kitschy stuff, this, like the Spuds McKenzie or whatever at the time, you know? Yes. Right. Well, that's the sort of fun of it that it's hard to tell. Yeah. And as, Right. We'll sort of circle when we talk about the wax packs, we'll circle back a little bit later when we get into the store. But yeah, thinking of ads and Super Bowl sponsors, uh, my recent purchase from yesterday's news, which was a few days before we went, is, and this was in the window, so I didn't even give myself credit for hunting it down deep in the store, is a like a half gallon water jug with a really bright Pepsi logo on it, a Coleman, and it's a Pizza Hut relief pitcher it's called. And they even, um, at the store pointed, I was like, okay, I got to have that. Like looking for a cool drinking vessel. Something they want to keep ice, something that's special. They have an ad, there's an ad that you can look up the ad for it. We'll post a link that in, it's like 88 or 89 and they had oral hersizer, the relief pitcher. And so the idea was you get this and then you get free refills or cheap, like with a purchase of a pizza all summer at Pizza Hut. And I was like, will they still honor this? And she's like, well, I think they might be so sort of impressed that you brought this artifact in that they would give you some Pepsi. But it has the um, the old Pizza Hut logo, which is now the new Pizza Hut logo. Right. But they were the sponsors of the pregame show. So I was like, oh yeah, this logo. And it was so weird because this is so clearly, I just want to briefly mention this, similar arc with Burger King where they had these classic kind of boxy, Timeless, I think, logos. Like Pizza Hut's has a little red roof. Burger King looked like a burger. They got bubble letters. They evoke this sort of time that people generally, a lot of them have good feelings for. Maybe it just depends on your age and perspective. But then in the 90s, they both changed to a circle, kind of a forward-leaning circle logo, both Pizza Hut and Burger King. And I feel like it was yeah. maybe one guy going around being like, this is what things should look like. And they're like, okay, great. Did You got to get this guy. He's got such great logo ideas. And you kind of knew at the time, like, this is not going to last. At some point, Burger King and Pizza will be going back to the 
classic throwback logo. Yeah. Well, that's happening with every brand, right? Like they're going back to the throwback because because a lot of the throwback ones, it's like you're saying the design was actually much much better. I mean, they were using classic a lot of times you know sort of more classical design ideas and the 90s was the beginning of the corporatization of all logos where every logo started to look identical right right that's when that started happening so so this is yeah so this is really cool and right i'll put up a link to it i did take it out it in fact didn't leak one weird design thing is if you're going to there's a spout on top and if you want to pull the spout out to drink out of it the only way you can do it is to put your finger completely <laughs> over the part that you drink out yeah. of and then pull it out. So if your hands are dirty, you're like, well, I'm communing with whatever was on there. There's no other way to do it. Yeah, you should be able to push the back. I think that is the... But, and when we talked to the... When we bought it and got it from the woman on the counter, she was talking about how they put it on whatever social media they have and people commented quite a bit that it was a Stanley Tumblr of its day. The Coleman. Or this specific This that the Coleman, pitcher. like, oh. Yeah. Yes. Sort of like just thinking about like an in-drinking vessel. Yeah. But this got me to thinking about how we do prize drinking. Like, like people are like, wow, this is so silly. There's this fad of Stanley Tumblers. No, no. Every I keep thinking this as a name like, oh, my buddy Stanley Tumbler. We went to camp. <laughs> every uh, he writes a memoir. I am not a fad. <laughs> That's a good, uh, yeah, that's a good memoir name uh, by Stanley Tumblr. No one takes it seriously, though. I guess but, that would be good for sales. But I de like we write like it's one, it's a marker of, of status or savvy or identity. And I have some pop culture examples that I think will prove my point that I've been thinking of. In the Jerk, Steve Martin, he sings, "I'm picking out a thermos for you, an oh. ordinary thermos for you." Okay, one example. Another one, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade with the uh, Holy Grail. Yeah. And we are talking about Grail. We mentioned Grails earlier. Yeah. But this idea of just like, oh, like the right cup can save you. Oh, okay. Wow. This Have one's you... a little more abstract. <laughs> a little more. Have you ever played? Like, I don't think I've seen that movie since it was in the theaters. But there's a Indiana Jones pinball game that uses a sort of shell game thing where there's a three grails and it points an arrow and then it flips them shoop, 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 shoop. oh and it's like which is the one you have to sort of follow it. it oh that's good um oh oh yeah so two examples and then one more from real life when i first taught a class back in the year 2000 it was like first creative writing class or the exercise is you take some everyday object and put it on the table and then you everyone you pretend that you're an alien you've come from somewhere else and you have knowledge of everything right and the planet earth except this object you put this ashtray on the table or a stapler okay you don't know what this is you have no idea as you separate yourself and how can you describe it creatively without knowing at all what it is yeah right and somebody had a water bottle and i put a nalgene yeah water bottle and we did this exercise like okay you haven't you've never seen this before you have no idea what it is and somebody one of the first it was a real moment for me the description was, there are all these posers walking around with Nalgene water bottles, and they're not campers. They're not outdoors <laughs> people. And this is just, this is just, you know, they're faking it, and they shouldn't be having this. And I'm just sick of everyone having these Nalgene water bottles. I'm like, okay, well, this alien isn't aware of all the cultural signifiers, the <laughs> ideas that you don't. But I remember this being like, oh, wow, like this, like how there is, like this was my awakening of how intense 
the feelings and discourse is around the drinking things that people carry around. Yeah. No, the Nalgene bottle is absolutely the Stanley Tumbler of, I don't know, the late 90s, early aughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot, I feel like a lot of, a lot of glassware in vintage stores. There are a lot of Muppets, like, that we still have in my old house. Muppet McDonald's and Taco Bell, like, where they would coordinate. And it's just like the Muppets or just pictures of Ronald McDonald or Superman, Batman kind of things. And there actually, a couple years ago, there was a little Subway ad campaign where it was like, do you know how much lead is in your cartoon drinking glasses? And it literally was just a picture of, like, all the cups that I (laughs) drunk out of. I'm like, (gasps) But then I looked it up, and it wasn't, it wasn't an organization. It was somebody. Wait, is this because they're saying that there's lead in the Stanley tumblers too? Is oh, this really? just like this... the? Uh, uh, is this just the playbook? These are the Nalgene. These are the haters. the The person who wrote that short story went on to be this is a safety commissioner or something who just is a hater. Anytime anyone gets popular, they don't deserve to be popular. I'm gonna say there's lead in it. That yes, yeah. This it's funny. This we'll watch for the next drinking thing that becomes popular. Will this be part of the arc? Well, and then I looked it up and it was, it's not an organization, but it was just like a person who was like, I'm worried about lead and I have my own home lead testing kit. So it was not, I was just like, okay, maybe this is something, but it seemed less dire than some large organization, like safety organization. Got it. It's just like, this is somebody, a hobby, like a lead hobbyist. (laughs) That surely exists. Uh, You know, also I was going to say those Pizza Hut, those red uh, plastic Pizza Hut cups are also like a treasured Okay, I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I was just looking, because when I looked I, and I was looking up the Pizza Hut relief pitcher to see what they're, like, I got it for 15. And it seems like they usually go for around 20. You can maybe get it for a little bit less, but pay more in shipping. And some of those red cups came up and those are prized, but they were a little expensive. I'm like, I need to have this verified. Like, I, if they didn't, the little, the pebbling on the cup seemed like the wrong texture to me. Oh. And... I need to know, like, what's the verify? It's like saying, like, oh, this is a game-used ball from the <laughs> Yankees or whatever from right. this World Series. It's just like, well, you need to have it verified. The, yeah. Uh, you know, Bobby Thompson home run ball. This is like an underworld kind of thing. You need to be able to trace it back to the origin. I like that somebody's going to have this <laughs> job, and it's just somebody who went to Pizza Hut a lot in the 80s and 90s. Yes, and somehow like took pictures there. No, they're just that much of an expert okay, and everyone I, I, trusts it's in, them. It's here. All right, yes. Yeah. So you're saying, are you... Yeah, I would definitely keep my eye out for those red plastic cups. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's At this point, if I saw them, I... Yeah, I, just knowing their thing, knowing their prize by collectors, then it, it stirs something in me. Yeah, yes. Yeah, well, that's, that's valuable. Yes, it's, I need it's, that. And I do recognize that, but I... Uh, contagious. Yeah, it is, exactly. It's contagious. I, I feel like some of the... To me, the, the brands just like brand stuff isn't necessarily the stuff that moves me the most, but I do get it. And one thing that you noted in staying in cups, but away from glassware is they had a pretty extensive collection of sort of wax coated paper, vintage Coca-Cola cups. Oh yeah. That had the little like Starburst pad them that were pretty cool, but yeah, they were a dollar, a dollar each. <laughs> so, right. It's like, what do you use them for? Yeah, you can't use those, right? Some kind of game maybe where you throw ping pong balls. But yeah, the idea of like, oh, I'm going to stack these in my bathroom and get a sip of water at night. Yeah. 
Uh, that seems thirty dollars a month is your expense <laughs> for the vintage Coke cups. Exactly. Like this is a like I don't know, I think even like Michael Jackson was balking at these <laughs> prices. They're not. Because they're not like with the glass. Some of them you can be like, all right. Well, even if we don't use it, you can. Because I'm worried about the lead. You can put it up on your shelf. You can look at it like there's something sturdy about it. But these paper wax coated cups, I'm not sure. And they had also Garfield. Lunch bags from 1978 that I think were three dollars. That maybe if you're doing a party, like a Garfield themed party, it might be fun to have new old stock Garfield yeah. lunch bags. And I do this. I really do like Dixie cups. This feels it feels almost weird to say because people are like, oh, these are very I don't know environmentally unsound. But I don't know I grew up liking Dixie cups, and I feel like they have their place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the place is definitely not a dollar. Anyway, that was a very uh, <laughs> obscure Michael Jackson reference, but you can look up the video or I'll post the link. There's a, a, a link of him antique shopping, and he's strolling through. He has, like, a personal, uh, like, per, the person who, who is, like, uh, uh, works at the store, and he's just and he's just going through appraising everything and says, all of this, 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 and just everything. And the guy is like, well, these are, like, Five million dollars each. He says, "I'll have all of them." Uh, so it's a classic video that probably is still on YouTube. All right, we'll look that up. Yeah. So maybe he has all the. Maybe he's hoarded the the Coca Cola cups, and that's why they're so that's, expensive. Okay, right. Michael that's Jackson's estate owns like millions of these. Well, that's why. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, how? What do you price things for? And I guess right now you can always look things up and see, like, oh, these are prized by collectors. This is more than we think it would be. Or oh, there's no market for this. Ah, you just sort of. Yeah, this is five bucks. I went to, there's another vintage antique store, one that opened recently, and I was talking to the owner. It's just a really neat store. They also serve coffee. She was saying, well, you know, we look things up, and then otherwise they're just like, ah, $5 if it's something small. Like, and I think this is a cool serendipity, like in addition to quests that you might be on, or I might be on for yardsticks or anchor hawking, D-handle mugs, you just find weird things that you never knew you wanted needed but they had this other vintage store but could have had at yesterday's news there was a traffic safety corps pin from the early 60s signed by henry barnes the commissioner of traffic and it's just this little pin with a parent and child walking across the street little wings and and then it led me to do all this research on henry barnes who was a traffic commissioner in new york that sort of fought with robert moses died at 61 of a heart attack in office, which I feel like that's kind of what you did then. Like if you didn't, people would be like, you're clearly not doing your job if you make it past early 60s. Yeah, yeah. You should definitely die in When Robert Moses is attack. New York. Yeah. And then on the back it has a, which it shouldn't be that way, to be clear. Uh, they have a safety pledge. I won't read all these, but you know, I will stay alert and look both ways before crossing streets, cross at corners only, never at mid-block. This is not the New York I know. Not run into the street nor cross between parked cars. Um, and then I like the last one. Remember these rules and remind others of them. Yeah. And there's a little place for a signature, cadet signature. And I don't know like how you became a traffic safety cadet or if this was a school program, but it's just a really cool little pin on this little green card that opens up this world of New York history. Oh, and Henry Barnes invented what was called the Barnes Dance or the Barnes Shuffle, which is when all vehicular traffic is stopped at an intersection and pedestrians have free reign to cross in any direction. Wow, he invented that. Yes, if not invented, popularized. He popularized it. Well, this sounds like a great and, guy. A great guy. And uh, was in charge of having the streetlights painted yellow before they were olive green. Oh, wow. 
And but there was one thing that stood out. He did <laughs> Wikipedia page supposedly proposed that all avenues in Manhattan would just run north. Uh, and then no, I don't no know. Southbound no. traffic. And then so there's like the little well, Mario Kart B then like pull look, you back. Then you don't have to look both ways. That simplifies things. So that luckily didn't go. Like, and I guess you would, you know, go on the highway, like the FDR drive or whatever. Anyway, yes. So I'm glad that that didn't go. I don't even know if we're still utilizing the Barnes dance. But that was just like an example of a little sort of serendipitous fine for a few bucks that like there's a cool thing that vintage stores do. Where like, I didn't know I would. this was out there. Yeah, that is nice. I, I he had the he had the failed he had the failed safety saying always look north before crossing <laughs> the street. Wait, always look south. I thought it was southbound. North, there all the cars are just going north. Oh, it's northbound. Yeah, well, then the other way. Yeah, I okay. <laughs> always look south. <laughs> always look south. Always look look right. south for safety. <laughs> all right. Got a little. Oh, and also one thing. There's a big stack of. Which both of these places have in common of old Playboy magazines. And this is one of the sort of fascinating, one of my go-to vintageana things is that there's Playboy, old Playboy magazines are not expensive because there are so many of them and they are so well-preserved that these weren't like people didn't recycle them. They didn't throw them away. They were collections that were like prized and built up. So there's so much old Playboy out there that the price is probably cheaper if you type in... They've gone down in value. Yeah, the inflate... I love the inflation calculator. Um, yeah. Do you ever use that tool? Like, so it's like, I try oh, not to. It's really? Sometimes <laughs> so it's like, oh, it was $4 in 1985. Oh, it should be 15 now, but you can buy the magazine for $8. So it had like the women of Mensa and one article about, will big bucks break the NBA from 1981? Oh, wow. Will he? And so we can look back. That was David Halverstam. That's interesting. That's one of those, like, th that was so prized by collectors that it lost all of its value, right? That's the balance. Like, it has to have some rarity as well. Yes, yes. You mean even at the time. Right. Well, it's, this is... Mm, yeah, exactly. Pri no, just, it's prized by collectors and therefore cheap, the flip side of that, like we were saying. Well, sort of like there's this big... One of my favorite... I never actually purchased anything, but a thing that I like to visit at this store is the trading cards section, which is pretty extensive. And this is something that everybody thought was going to be valuable and was collecting all these goofy yeah. cards and totally bottomed out. Like they call it the junk wax era, all these like baseball cards yeah. and other cards from the 80s. Our my our especially our young minds couldn't comprehend how many they were actually making. <laughs> no. I mean, it was... But you thought like, and it was just like they here they have ALF cards, A-team cards, Mork and Mindy, Desert Storm, Baywatch, there's even one for the royal family, which yeah. you think like so much interest. Like the royal, fa like this is stuff that's still active culturally, and you would think these weird little trinkets would have gone up, but still, they're all like either three dollars, five dollars, or even two dollars for these cards. Or just so, so many of them, and not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The value did go up because <laughs> they're actually uh, they're actually worthless, but now they're worth two dollars. Well, <laughs> but people have found like the creative uses for them. There's the baseball card vandals. Yes. Website and book where they take these old cards and deface slash reface them with jokes. Yeah, they had new kids on the block cards. And again, there's such a... And I think it's because we thought, like, oh, all this mentioned earlier, the Beatles matchbook, all this like old Beatlesiana was so valuable at that time. So we're like, oh, this is the new version of that, clearly. Right. So you should hold on to it. But everybody had that same thought. Right, right. Everyone was... And we sort of were on to it. Yeah. I definitely had those football cards i was like football baseball cards but not everyone's collecting football cards therefore 
Yeah. That's a good angle. Yeah. It was logical, but I still got those Walter Payton tops cards. And also you were you found I don't think you were supposed to find, but you found a box of small daggers <laughs> in a corner. Yeah, so uh, to just to backtrack a little bit, this I um I I feel like just general impressions of this store. I feel like it was a it's a good vintage store. It has it definitely leans more kitschy stuff. They have a lot of VHS cassettes, all of which are um, like erotic thrillers, some of which are like little lesser known, like Antonio Banderas, Jennifer Connelly's uh, of Love and Shadows. I don't know if you remember that one. I do not remember that. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, they had Adam Agoyan's Exotica, which was marketed as a erotic thriller, uh, but isn't erotic or thrilling. He's like a sort of indie Canadian darling who makes depressing movies. Um, but that was there because of the basically the packaging. Uh, but uh, I feel like a, a good vintage store, you should feel a little nervous uh, like if you're wearing a backpack, you should be very aware. Like, oh, sh- I'm I gotta take this off. I'm yeah, gonna... I put mine down in the corner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a very it is it is a sort of crowded store. There's a lot of stuff. You're definitely gonna break something. But then, as I was as I was sort of appreciating the different sections of the store, you know, you can wander around. There's like multiple rooms. It was like that moment in the action movie where you slowly take notice of your surroundings and that all of the objects around you are potential dangerous weapons. And then, you know, something's about to go down. And I had that, <laughs> that feeling they had like a section that was just sort of loose pool balls. And I was like, Oh, these are uh, And then um, a rack of vintage glass bottles, but just like displayed on a rack sticking out. And I was like, Oh, this is like a sort of like old school bar fight or something. But then, yes, this all, this all like crystallized when I found the box of like fifty pottery needles. Which I don't know if you've never seen these before. It's like just a wooden handle with like a three-inch steel needle sticking out, and it was a huge box of them. Um, right, and they kept talking about like, oh, the different places. They're like, we had it behind the counter, but then nobody could touch them, and nobody was buying them. And then we had them out, and kids came in and were touching them, so they just didn't know where to put these incredibly sharp little. Like an all, but much more pointy than that. Yeah. Anyway, it, yeah, it was very funny because as immediately as we stumbled upon these. <laughs> and there was a box of like a hundred of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The store, <laughs> that might the be store a thing owner put... was like, we put these out, but then immediately a child injured themselves. <laughs> and then he told a story about having an old school fan before they had regulations about how narrow the grill over fans <laughs> had to be. And, like, and this kid came in and put his finger in and started bleeding. But the parents were apologizing to us <laughs> because yeah. they knew, yes. And meanwhile, I was making a mental note for my screenplay, you know, for the Jackie Chan movie that, you know, the bad guy will will lunge and, and his hand will go straight into the, the <laughs> antique Vintage, fan. sure. Yeah. Use it. Yeah, so that's in there for sure. Oh, one cool thing they had is a sign from Ebbets. The one thing that's not for sale is this light from Ebbets Field, which is sort of as like holy of a relic as you can get for Brooklyn. I think. I think. So. And they're just like, no, no, no amount of money. Don't even make an offer. Yeah, it's a light from the original Ebbets Field. Yeah, not for sale. I feel like that's how that like lends credence to the whole store, right? Where right. You have stuff where you're like, no, well, don't I th- even sell these. I think about that, and that is what the 
when I was chatting with the owner of the other board, it's called new vintage store. And he's like, well, we had all this stuff and I like this stuff, but we thought we could sell it. Cause I was wondering, well, Oh, if you really like this stuff, you don't want to sell it, but no, you just sort of are happy to have it pass through. And then, but there are a few things that you're like, no, this is just too special to me. Yeah. So you want that balance. Well, that's the classic yard sale move, right? Where you have your stuff and then someone says like, Ooh, I'll give you five bucks. And you're like, no, uh, never mind. <laughs> It's up for sale. Oh, this uh, reminds me, I was watching recently, it came up, I think it was like the, it was the, what, 30-year uh, anniversary? There's a, a video tape from like Denton, Texas in like the 90s or something, and it's a yard sale, and there's a guy dressed up in costume, and he's calling himself the price master, and they ask everyone to make him an offer at the yard sale, and they say, I'll give you five bucks for this. And they and then one of the guys says, Price Master, what's what's the price on this? And he has a microphone with all this reverb and he goes, Five thousand dollars <laughs> and he <laughs> says this to all the people who try to buy stuff and they all get it's a lot of like older people and they're laughing and trying to buy yes, anchor hawking glasses. I'll give you seventeen ninety five for this and he goes, Seventeen Hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. So I'll link that one too. <laughs> we'll link it. What's your uh what's your cart score? I'm gonna give a three and a half cart to this uh I it's good. I I um I feel like it leans a little bit more towards kitschy stuff than is my personal taste, but uh I'm not well, sure. Yeah, how much one of the great things or... is and there is a lot of furniture too, like we have like a bench and some things that we got from there. But yeah, I always say like people like, oh, it's not like this sort of New York vintage where it's stratospheric prices, but it, yeah, there is a real affordability factor. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, we didn't mention they have a lot of like furniture they put on the outside when it's... Right, like the, the, the classic kind of strappy lawn chairs and they're always like $25. Yeah, and they have clothes and stuff too, which we didn't really get into. We didn't. But yeah, I I think that's a solid card score though. Yeah, it, I'm okay. I am also 3.5 carts. And I did think of this before. So when you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So we you weren't assembly. influenced by my I score was not influenced. Time. I was, I, I am often, and I'm comfortable enough to admit that. And I was thinking, like, what makes a vintage store run successful or not? And I was thinking, tell me what you think of this analogy. It's not like a party. Because you're like, oh, that was a fun party. And it's like, what makes it fun? It's like, oh, if you just. For me, it's like if I see if I meet one person or run into one person and you have a really cool conversation with, and you're like, oh wow, I feel really alive or energized because of that. And obviously, if you're looking for a particular kind of person to meet romantically, and if you meet that, then that would make it a successful party. But I think there's something similar with the vintage store, especially out of different kind of shopping experiences, where just like, oh, I was like. We got it. Yesterday's news is amazing. I got this relief picture from Pizza Hut from 1988. So it was just like. I found that one person at the party that I really liked. And so I guess it's like, oh, do you have high expectations for this party? And even if maybe you don't come away with something, you feel like, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. And like, I feel like there could have been something good there. Yeah, yeah. Next time. As long as you have that feeling. Right. So it's like, go back. yeah. And you don't want to find something good every time, I guess. Like you just, part of the fun is yeah, visiting. Certain things are always there, like the elf cards or the, oh, they also had that cool, those new kids on the block 
the gum, which I saw you yeah, notice, where yeah. it's like in a cassette. It's, it's a, a cassette. tiny cassette, but yeah. like smaller than a cassette, and it has gum. It's like a mini cassette. And I would have thought, because there's such a fandom of NKOTB, and they're at the age where they'd be interested in vintage stuff, and it's probably like, oh, you can get this for... But I guess nobody has a place for it, because you need collectors of things to drive up the price. Otherwise, if there's no collectors, it's like, I don't know, it's three bucks. But if there were, oh, a collector's prize, cassette-shaped gum packs of boy bands i feel like a lot of that 80s stuff is still finding its footing a lot of the stuff i think there's probably a demand for people just don't remember it or know that this stuff existed but um and maybe some of these shops are not featuring it because the the owner of the store was saying he's only slowly coming right, around right. To realizing that the 80s is vintage like, oh this is vintage like this is yeah. just now but no it's a different time yeah so he's like begrudgingly starting to hang on to this stuff or you know, right, to get, get, to it, get it from yeah, sales there's the, uh-huh, or things. Uh-huh. So some of it, I think, is definitely that. Like um, the the market, somebody has to make the market first. But I think the demand will be there for sure. Because some of the yeah, some of this stuff was pretty cool. Uh, Baywatch cards, eh, I don't need. <laughs> need no, them, well, but. It, I guess if you have a vision, like if you're like, oh, I'm going to decorate this bathroom in my restaurant, and I'm just going to shellac a bunch of old cards on the wall for wallpaper. Yeah, then that might make sense or the other store actually did have that with old playboy magazines and things like that on the wall had shellacked them on yes yeah. if that's the right word as i came, i'm like oh i think that's the right one yeah i think no, that sounds right oh, i was gonna say garbage pale kids or something that i used to collect i didn't notice <laughs> i didn't notice they if they had any of those we have maybe some books they're out. actually really good anyway we'll do a, a read-along I always wonder if, is there is so much of life digital that we're making, like there's obviously a lot of stuff now, but what will the vintage store in 30 or 40 years look like? Because so much stuff, not physical. Yeah. I mean, partly, right? The reason that these VHS tapes and different things have an appeal is like the total death of physical media now, for sure. Yeah. Anyway, something to think about. All right. That was... Full Carts, the podcast about shopping experiences. That was our trip to yesterday's news to talk about the vintage slash antique shopping experience. I'm Andy. I'm Devin. And thank you so much for listening. 